welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today I have Izzy with me. Izzy's going to tell his story. If you haven't been listening lately, uh, the last few weeks we've we've taken a break from meetings and we're I'm interviewing different people who've been involved in the podcast and and people who uh, the Dow really speaks to 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 give you some real life experience of how uh, these principles are applied to our daily life, which is the goal for me. Uh, any announcements like meetings and resources, go to buddyc.org. And you've got a lot of things there, including a daily Tao devotion uh, that that I'm in the middle of writing. And I'm using that to keep me accountable. And you're welcome to sign up for that. That link's there as well. So lots of good stuff at BuddyC.org. That's all I'm going to do with announcements. Easy. I'm going to turn it over to you, sir. We'd like to hear uh, what it was like and what happened and what it's like now. And then we'll get into a little bit of a Tao conversation. Easy, you have the floor, sir. All right. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Um, my name is Izzy, and uh, I'm a grateful recovering member of SA, Sexaholics Anonymous. And uh, yeah, let me tell you a little bit about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today for me. So, um, my sobriety day, just for Point of reference is uh, December 25 of 2015. And um, I had, uh, ever since uh, I can remember, about the age of three years old, I remember I had a definite predisposition to hypersexuality. Uh, so I can't say that I was an addict at three years old, but I definitely had a predisposition for my drug of choice. Um, and it followed me. I can point out specific references to throughout my childhood in which at eight years old, I remember being in a hotel with my family and, uh, my two brothers then were, I guess, were in high school at that point. And I was, I remember them, they turned on the television. They were watching, uh, you know, some R-rated late night movie. And um, basically, I saw a scene, a sex scene over there. that was just, for me, like, I just took my world over. I still remember that, like. And the things in childhood that I remember, like, that's one of the things that just stick out to me that uh, was just so infatuating that, like, years later when I, when I pull on into my addiction, it would, uh, I remember searching for that, you know, I Googled, you know, which movie was that from and I finally found it and I was like, wow, but like, I couldn't find that exact scene. Maybe it was just in the TV movie. And, uh, you know, that's, that was part of the insanity. And I always felt like, um, when I was, uh, you know, seeing a couple make out in the, in the street or by a beach or, uh, or on, or on a, in a movie in front of my family, uh, I always felt like I was the one in the room that was the most turned on and, but at the same time, the most embarrassed. Uh, so I guess that's where my predisposition came in for it. Just to um, talk about that a little bit, I guess. Uh, then when things uh, started getting really out of hand, about 12 years old, I uh, started with fantasy. I just, uh, you know, I guess uh, puberty, was puberty speech. I came from an ultra-religious home. And... Uh, the the whole puberty speech didn't doesn't really thing uh, with my family and my community, so yeah, they, I didn't get that, and uh, no sex ed in my school wasn't that kind of thing, and you know I just 
realize that there was this amazing thing where I can just, uh, you know, think about women, females, because uh, that was, you know, for me that that was my turn on up, and I was, and I would, I would just be able to enjoy myself like that, and and I wasn't even sure what I was doing then, so it wasn't like too intense or too much, but uh, so I started doing it then, and you know, the, for me, the consequences started pretty much right away. Um, and I didn't realize, it, um, right away, but it was, it, it, I always had a lag effect. Like I usually took a certain amount of time, maybe a few weeks, a few months, whatever it was. But, you know, after I would be doing, be, uh, let's say, um, you know, lusting as we you know, drug, drug and an essay we call lust. So, um, after I'd be lusting for a while in any shape or form, whether it was um, just fantasy or, you know, watching porn later on, you know, just doing crazy stuff. Uh, so I would get immediately or not immediately, as I'm saying, but eventually I would get the, I would get incredible anxiety, incredible depression, or usually it was a combination of both. And th at this point, I would, it was like, you know, kind of like a low baseline of anxiety. I just had to catch my breath. And um, the reason why I'm talking about these emotions specifically is that I'm sure there are people out there that can identify. And uh, for those that can, I think this could be helpful because I remember I couldn't identify with a lot of the speeches in AASA and I don't know. For me, this, the the feelings are very, very crucial and very a part of my story. And uh, it was the thing that led me to wanting to get sober and to, to helping me with. And that's my main first step. It's not how far down the ladder I've gone, but that was that's pretty much that was my bottom. My bottom, my back. Uh, for the, in the emotionally. Anyway, so just to fast forward and try to get to the solution quicker. Um, when I was in high school, I got to high school and, and in high school, uh, religious high school, I went out of town, uh, to a dormitory and, uh, these kind of places. It's just, um, it's an, uh, it's ultra orthodox place where all they do pretty much all day is, uh, study the Bible study and then the Talmud. And, uh, you know, my whole childhood life is all about, all about just quick fixes. You know, when as a kid, it's, you know, mostly playing with my friends, you know, eating, eating, uh, good food, whatever candy, um, just doing things that a kid wants to do. You know, in school, I would space out and just try to get to recess. You know, that was the goal goals to get to recess so when i was when i went to this intense school over here, over there which i i couldn't i didn't really have enough wherewithal to tell my parents that like i really didn't want this and like uh like extracurricular activities like art and music and things that i'm really involved with now uh weren't really an option uh in my community so it wasn't like I, it wasn't like I can. I was able to tell them, or I didn't even know myself that I was really that. That's really what I wanted, because uh, that was like just taboo. It's like you have to be become a rabbi or nothing, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, so when I was there, I was really unhappy and really unproductive, and so you know, sitting in class in a classroom for for two three hours at a time. Sitting and trying to study Talmud for for four or five hours at a time, um, and recently I've just realized that I've have undiagnosed ADHD, so that was definitely a big part of it. But I mean, no, I turned to one thing, and that was my, and that was fantasy. You know, that was just I would, that was when fantasy started becoming rampant in my life. It was 
It was strong. It was intense. And uh, I would just fantasize for hours upon end. I'd, be, I'd, I'd create my own pornos uh, for four hours straight. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's just what I did. And I did that for better part of better part of a year. And that was 10th grade, 11th. At the end of 10th grade, I just had this insane depression that kicked in um, where every single fear, irrational fear, it was, it was, it was like Dante's Inferno in, inside my uh, psyche, really, what it was. It was hell, it was fear, it was petrifying, it was dark. Uh, like I, my mind played all kinds of tricks on me. At one point, I uh, just... I I forgot. I, I my mind told me that like I was I was if if I swallow I would choke, so I couldn't really swallow for two weeks. I would have to try to eat like soup and stuff like that, and like it was just a mind thing. Um, and I was afraid to go on medication because I was also kind of taboo in my community that back then. And um, and my parents didn't really, you know like it so much but even they took me to a psychiatrist because i was so messed up but i i decided i didn't want to take them you know my parents tried did all they could they were good parents nothing to blame on them but um yeah it was just it was the way it was what god wanted i believe now um but it it was just terrifying and uh you know certain times i was i was being school over there and i would just think like my Maybe my family's actually not my family, and uh, you know, it was kind of like a uh, a goosebumps kind of book, you know. Um, and so that so that that went on for the better part of a year, eleventh grade, and wow, I suffered crazy through that. I would think I have cancer every other day for time, and um, just petrified. I would just wake up shaking just to be afraid of facing the day. I would literally wake up petrified. Like, just really, really afraid, and I would just have to call each a different a different member of my family because I knew friends at that point wouldn't understand me, and I called I would call up a different member of my family for about forty five minutes to an hour, and uh, however long they could stand me until I could call the next one and just tell them what's going on. No one really knew me. They talked to me well, and they out, which I'm very grateful for. Uh, God provided me with them to this day. I would not be able to, I would not have been able to get through it without them. And I'm very grateful for that. And I'm very grateful also that during these times, I usually got like a week or so, or a week and a half of reprieve where God kind of just shut off my brain. I was able to like, my brain just got shut off and I got kind of like comfortably numb. Uh, shout out to Pink Floyd there. Uh, but yeah. Um, and then, uh, I got a little bit of reprieve to quicken this up, uh, and for a couple of years, it kind of just, you know, things kind of just went away. I kind of just forced myself into full study mode in 12th grade and, uh, went on to have a few years of reprieve. And then I had another bout of where pornography started just taking off my life, you know, Started with the laptop, and that's it. You know, pornography opened a new world for me, where there's tons of pornography, and uh, just looking out at the street and woman, you know, just a whole load of all of that stuff. And it would just be, you know, pornography all the time. Um, you know, masturbating three times a day, and sometimes more, sometimes less, sometimes. And then trying to stop and then not being able to, I mean, I wouldn't try to stop really until a few months later, you know, I started having the consequences. And this time it came in a full on um, panic attacks mode uh, where I would just have kind of panic attacks for days. It wouldn't now last like the 15 minutes or the hour. It would be like days or weeks where I just I wouldn't stop like my heart rate and my breathing. It would just be so elevated and so shallow. I just felt like I would just just wanted to die. Um, and at one point, the scariest thing happened, which was like I felt like I had to control my breathing, and if I wouldn't, then I would stop. It would just die. I would just that's it. And I felt the feeling was so real and it was so uh, like true in my head. And the only the only thing I could think of like why that 
like, I mean, I, I don't know why, but I, I could only contribute the feeling to the fact that, uh, I don't know, I guess I was so spiritually bankrupt, so empty, uh, everything like that, that like, and the breath, I think, I believe comes from like the universe, comes from God, comes from spirituality. Like every breath is, is life and, and that like that whatever kind of life that I was hanging on to from the universe, from the spirit, from the Tao, whatever whatever you want to call it, was so bankrupt that I felt like physically if I wasn't controlling it, it would stop. And um I was so disconnected. And it freaked me out so hard. Um and um yes, yeah, so I I just went through that was just another hellish period of my life until finally, um, and that was just horrible. I can go on for that for a while, but that was the basic, uh, you know, hell of that, that just went on for a bunch of years. Uh, started smoking a lot of weed then, and, uh, uh like a few years after that. Anyways, um, finally I got into, you know, the essay program, uh, I had a friend of mine that disposed to me, and then I had a family member push, who, just, who just pushed me and told me to just, you know, get the help I need, which I'm grateful for. And, you know, I came in, and I, I was just basically a, a stoner who just, you know, couldn't get my shit together, anything like that. And uh, I hear a lot of speakers talk about, you know, not cursing in the rooms, not you know all that stuff and you know being uh respecting the program or not if they wouldn't have let me you know use my uh four letter vocabulary i have you know made it i don't know for me everything was four letters in the beginning it was just a string of those and like i had nothing i had nothing to lose at that point nothing to and um my shares were just all pretty much just hopeless jabber it just like you know it was just basically a cry for help pain um and but slowly you know like after seven months of struggling in the in the program not really getting surrender was and really surrender is now my my what my program relies on um i actually um yeah, like surrender really is 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 my fallback. It's my it's my whole program. It's it's what gives me so much um so much identification with with Buddy C and Buddy's book, Powerless but Not Helpless and the Dow. And um I'm gonna get to that real soon. Um that's why I'm very grateful that I made acquaintance with Buddy and with the book. Um, so I, I had a few sponsors, but until, but I, you know, they were, they were helping me until I got my, and so I just, I just kept dropping them until I found, I got my fourth one. It just gave me the message that I needed to understand what surrender was, which he just basically tells because my head was, was my brain, like so many of ours was just on an endless loop of like, beating the crap out of myself all the time, just beating myself up. Like, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be going to morning prayers. I should be going, I should be working. I should be making money. I shouldn't be smoking weed. I shouldn't. And he would just tell me, don't worry. Don't worry about the smoking. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about sleeping on time. My schedule then was like, just, you know, staying up till 6 a.m., making the morning meeting, and then like sleeping throughout the day, waking up at 4 or 5 p.m. And I don't know, whatever crazy he's like don't worry about that he's like just come to meetings work the program make your phone calls and you'll stay so and my biggest fear was also staying sober i'm like it's the hardest thing on earth i always feared that i'm going to be an ant and i'm going to have to stay sober you know and he's like just work the program just make phone calls and you'll stay sober it was like for me that was a great indication like I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about myself staying sober. It's not my job to stay sober. It's my job to just make some phone calls. Just, and basically just to put God, put my higher power, 
whatever it is that you want to call that thing that is going to do the work for me, that surrender, whatever that, however that is, um, to put that as that power as my program. And when I'm, and even, even regarding the program, working the program, I always ask my, my higher power, which I call God. I always say, God, you need to help me work the program. I can't do it. Because I, when I try, when I say, okay, I got this and I, I could just work the program and it will work. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't work for me because I, 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 all of a sudden I start, you know, I start, you know, working the program, but all of a sudden I find myself not meditating in the morning. I find myself, um, you know, t- making, uh, you know, work over, over, you know, finding work, taking a place in front of my program. I find a million things, you know, and, and, until uh, I until I get back down to, to my knees, till God once again shoves me down, takes my ego, and says, you know, you're not such a, you're not so hot after all, you know, you you know, um, uh, it it reminds me of uh, a specific incident when where I really like my program, real my surrender really went up like huge, like fifty percent uh, of of a level, I'd say. And it was during a time where I was having this crazy, crazy, this obsession in my mind of whether I was lusting or not lusting, like just in the street, like a lot of time, like what I, what, what a lot of sexaholics go through is like in the street, sometimes we just can't, like, I'm not sure if I'm looking at a woman lusting or not. And then that, that just sends my mind to a crazy obsession of swirlingness and whatnot. And I was having that. I wasn't stopping. It was just going on week after week until I was just really going insane. And I, and I was doing all the actions. I was surrendering it, making phone calls. And usually that, that works. And then it, it just got to a point where I was just like, I either had to like, I either had to act out or, or, or I don't, or, or something had to break, you know? And, I was just, I started crying and praying to God. And all of a sudden, I, 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 I came upon, um, Bob Darrell and, you know, Bob D, his speech and one of his speeches. And he said basically how, how, you know, he's talking about step three, how we give our life and our, our will and our life on the care of God. And we have nothing else but that. And it's like, and it's like the step three prayer he went over. How like, you know, God, I offer myself to the, you know, I'm giving myself to God to build me and me into the bond himself. And he was talking about the bond himself. It was just like, yeah, like, relieving the bondage of me. I'm just so full of me that, you know, I, I can't see anything else. And so, you know, so I could be of help to others anyway. And the point of that, for me, what hit home so much was like, I realized that I was trying to surrender. I was trying to force the surrender. And that's basically like, you know, um, if, I, if I'm getting uh, attacked by a bunch of, uh, you know, soldiers and, and, and uh, you know, and, and, you know, it's basically like I'm, I'm just going to start taking my white flag and, and hitting them with it, you know, like that's not going to work. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's gonna, that's just gonna antagonize them. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's just really the opposite of, uh, of what surrender is. Surrender is that I gotta step away from, uh, from the, from the fight and I gotta just get down in my head. And, uh, you know, as soon as I did that and I, I also, I realized, you know, I'm, that I, I can't do it and I asked God, God help me surrender it. Like all of a sudden it fell away and, and God brought me into the whole and just okay, what really helps me with surrender. Um and how to understand it and what I what I what yeah. Um hi bud. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Uzi. Let's let's dig a little deeper in surrender. Uh, you were getting to the meat of it there. Uh, that was the hardest thing for me to learn in recovery was surrender. I did exactly what you're talking about 
for five years. Uh, I did not know how to surrender. I thought God helped me with this stuff. He doesn't help. We have to step out of the way and just let him do the whole thing. Uh, that's what I finally concluded. And I like your scenario of, of hitting the soldiers that you surrendered to with the flag, you know, with the white flag. But when you surrender, man, you, you lay down every weapon, every weapon you lay down. And, you know, and then your captors are responsible for your well-being, too, on top of it. Uh, that concept, so, you know, we're taught you don't surrender. You double down. You work harder and do better. Uh, and I had that same fight. Um, what are, what's all the tools you use for surrender? Is he, do you, uh, you'd said you, you reached out to other alcoholics, uh, other, uh, folks in recovery. You, and what, oh, before I forget, I love it that, 12 steps works. I've seen people with any type of addiction and 12 step recovery work. Uh, it's just such a gift for all of us, you know. Um, surrender. The tools that you use, you said that there were some tools you used that eventually didn't work for you. You had to take it to another level, right? Yeah. Um, I, uh, surrender for me is. It's, it's an evolve. It's kind of like an evolution. It's, it keeps evolving. Yes. Um, you know, like I said, you know, surrender, you know, started out just, you know, the taking actions of the program and then, and then realizing that that worked and then it worked until it didn't. And then I realized that I had to let go of some more ego because I, I had to learn that, you know, just taking the actions of program and not really, you know, and thinking that, that, oh, that just works. Um, that didn't work because I had to realize that, uh, without you, without some, some amount of humility, you know, that hey, wouldn't work. Uh, uh, Izzy, if you could, um, uh, explain if we, we may have some newcomers listening to this podcast. Uh, what is uh, the actions of the program? What What do you mean when you when you say that? What the actions were? What What is that for you? Sure. Uh, for me, the main actions of the program are meeting, going to meetings, 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 phone calls, connecting, connecting to other members in recovery. Very important. Always being honest of where 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 i'm at always uh you know telling people what's going on with me uh at meetings and on phone calls you know i can get more specific i have more time uh then there's uh very important is my connection with god you know the, the book, big book says you know conscious separation is my problem conscious contact's my solution so, you know, meditation, uh, even if it's five minutes in the morning, you know, even if it's five minutes and I pick up a little reading, I pick up a lot of times, you know, you're powerless but not helpless. And I'll, I'll pick up a little bit of reading, just think about it and ask God, you know, what, what he wants for me for the day. And sometimes I, many times these days, like I, I won't go too deep into, you know, be all philosophical, like what God wants me to do, but I'll just know intuitively, you know, hey, like what am I lacking yesterday or today that I feel like I need to do to up my recovery a little bit to help? I feel like, oh, today I probably need to reach out to more people for myself or maybe today I need to uh, help other people more, you know, and yeah, helping other people is a huge tool in programs, you know, as, uh, you know, we know the big book says, uh, and helping others the first paragraph right there it says uh you know when nothing else works you know helping others is uh you know a paraphrasing it is you know when nothing else does you know yeah. so those things those things are are key it's interesting how no matter what addiction brought us to recovery we end up having to deal with emotional issues when we thought our addiction was the problem mm -hmm. right 
when we find oh, out yeah. our addiction was just masking the problem. It was a symptom. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I didn't really believe that for, for a few years until you know that, that it was just masking it until like I finally started seeing a pattern. Like you know, yeah, like why? Why would I always? You know, turn to to my drug is as always because I just felt, you know, that I just felt shitty because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't accomplishing. I wasn't, you know, I felt less than. I felt afraid and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, just that stuff just okay led me to 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 the to the worst parts of me. But yeah, it's all about my feelings and emotions. So how do you handle that today? Let's say you have an emotion come up. Let's say you you get angry. What do you how do you handle that today versus you know early in recovery or pre-recovery? Okay, so first of all, just a disclaimer, like in in SA we um it, like it's it's more common, I believe. Um, I'm not saying this is a fact. Don't take me to to court on this, but you know, it's 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 more common, I believe, to you know, to take medication for our struggles and stuff because we're not really. It's not not so much about substance abuse, although you know, by the grace of God, I stopped smoking uh, marijuana a few months after I got sober. So been clean now for seven years of that. I'm grateful for. Uh, but I do take, you know, anti-anxiety medication, anti-depression medication, uh, and that helps. That definitely helps a lot. Uh, I wouldn't be able to work a program without that, but it definitely does not come close to what the program does for me. Um, because I was taking that before I came to program and I was still helpless and, and hopeless. So yeah, what really helped me. Uh, is working the program now when I'm angry um, working a fourth step is amazing I mean what it does for me is great and essentially um, you know just quickly the way I'll work the fourth step is you know going and uh, going through the basics of you know, what's my pardon and all that. Um, but essentially, essentially just, you know, seeing where I'm wrong and then really praying for, for the other person as for things that I would want myself. And that gives me a connection, you know, to the other person. Um, and, and then, and then right after that, like, you know, I feel lighter, but then after that, when I say God, you know, I don't use the exact terminology in the big book, where it pretty much says God take it, you know. Uh, we now ask God to remove the obsession, uh, the uh, the um, resentment. But I just say, God, I'm powerless over this resentment. I surrender. I just because I those words, those words are just golden for me. Surrender words. So for me, yeah, yeah. So for me, like that, just release relieves so much of that, you know. And sometimes I have to do it over and over. But I mean, usually at one, like, if it's a small thing or whatever, that just takes it away, like instantly. It's a practice, you know, it's a practice. Oh yeah. So yeah. we're not gonna do, we are we're practicing. We're continually practicing. So and we're not gonna uh, do it perfect. Uh, I don't know if we'll ever do it perfectly. Uh, I just hope that you know, with time, it takes shorter amounts of time for me to see the difference, you know, for me to feel different, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Izzy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so you sponsor guys too, right? You sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Sponsorship, buddy. That's, I mean, that's the, that's, that's my drug right now. It's yeah. helping others. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, my favorite speaker in AA is Bob D. So, I mean, he says like, you know, the really like, he's, He's like, you know, newcomers think, you know, uh, you know, you know, guys like, uh, you know, guys that are sponsoring people, they just, uh, they just want the clout and whatnot. But he's like, no, it's the real dope. They got the real drugs. I get, want to get a real high, you know, you know, take someone and show them the ropes and, and give them, 
you know, something what you have and watch somebody go, you know, take somebody through through a surrender and, and watch them get free from from something. And and literally there's nothing there's not there's no highs that can that can match that for me. Um which is amazing. And uh you know, I just I don't know if I I don't know if I told you my the surrender um parable that I that I give to to all my sponsees, but I'll I'll go through it quick. Uh compare it, you know, since we, we just recently, you know, been through the war in Afghanistan. So I compare it to, you know, I'm an American soldier uh you know, who basically got separated from his uh, his platoon and uh he lost his his he lost his, his gun and he just has his K bar knife and uh you know he's 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 the calm guy but he's looking over the hill trying to find his guy and right over the hill he's you know fifteen twenty Taliban on into the teeth with uh eight K forty sevens. Just gonna wait till that siren passes by. And uh, and um, and he knows that hey, right away, you know, the training, the training that kicks in for him, you know, like telling him fight, you know, that's what we do, we fight. Um, because right, my whole life, all you know, like you mentioned before, like everyone told me, you're just not doing enough. You're not doing enough. If you would be doing a little better, you know, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, everything would be great, but uh, and no matter what, how much I tried, you know, I just it, it just things never never added up. Uh, so, you know, instead of you know, but he but then you know, thought comes to him that because he knows that if he starts fighting with his knife, man, the death is just going to come quicker. They're just going to shoot him right where he stands. So, what he does is he gets on his knees, takes his knife in his hand, puts his weapon down. And when the Taliban, you know, sees that he's doing that, they can relax a little bit. They can let their guard down. So when I'm encountering my drug, for example, as the same thing, you know, instead of going crazy and starting to say, no, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, I'm not going, I say, one second, you know, I can't fight this. This is a power to grant it myself, just like the, you know, step one says. Right, I'm powerless over my drug, powerless over my drug, and and uh, you know I can't fight it. So, what's the point trying to fight it? So, surrender. The first step, is, surrender is two steps for me. The first step is to go get down on my knees, lay down my weapons, whatever my weapons are uh, that I used to fight it with. And the second step is that once they're all calmed down, the Taliban are chilling around, they, they take out their cigarettes, start smoking and talking to each other. I don't know what I'm talking about. What are we going to do with this American dude? You know, he's the comms guy, so he presses his uh, earpiece and he calls in for ear support, his grid, and he calls in the A-10, the Warthogs, and he calls in the uh, Apaches and, and Blackhawks, one that. And uh, in English, and they don't understand what he's saying. Um, and all of a sudden, they come in, and with their howitzers and their whatnot, and they just sit their snipers, and he knows just to lay down, and boom, you know, they all they take down all of the all the enemies, and he just gets up, dusts himself off, and he's free. And I equate that to an action program where you know, make a phone call. I call a couple of my friends. I just tell them what's going on. And by a power greater than myself, but it was an action that was not done at all directly. And the fight had nothing to do with me, myself, but it was an action that I took indirectly by calling some friends of mine, power greater than myself, a higher power because the, the, the choppers come in and elevate it. Uh, you know, that takes away the issue, the problem. And uh, that's the best way that I can really uh, describe surrender. That, that's um, fantastic, dude. That is fantastic. Uh, oh, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're Jewish Orthodox, correct? In your religion? That is correct. That is correct. Okay. How has your thoughts of a higher power 
changed from what you were raised and taught and what you came into the program with to what it is now? I'm just curious because I haven't had this opportunity. Buddy, yeah, that's a great question. That is an amazing, amazing question. I'm so glad you asked that question. Um, loaded question, loaded question, but a great question. So for me, you know, certain, a lot of, a lot of people the Jewish faith, you know, they grow up in different homes, different schools, you know, it's, 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 so a lot of them perceive God as, as loving, as just, as fear, meaning F-A-I-R, you know, the fear God. For me and a lot of others, unfortunately, though, you know, we're taught that, uh, you know, from school, from our parents, you know, very ultra-orthodox, um, you know, schools and, and home that, you know, God god is 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 kind of like a fear god but but he you know he rewards you and he punishes you and you do bad i don't like you know the irish catholic thing uh where we have like that we grow up with that crazy guilty conscience um and where it's like you know i'm always i grew up just thinking you know like if i'm doing if i'm doing more good deeds than bad deeds okay i'm i'm I'll, I'll probably go to heaven, but like, uh, how am I supposed to know? You know, like it's always, and it, it kind of it kind of creates this OCD thing where it's like, I need to, you know, I need to do I need some more, you know, some more good deeds, whatever that is. Like, you know, read a little scripture, read a, or, or do some extra thing, give extra charity. You know, give four cents on me, I'll give three to charity and one. But like stuff like that, which should make me crazy. And then, and when bad things happen to me, like, you know, I could pray to God, but like, you know, what's that prayer going to do to me? Obviously, you know, before that, I didn't really, before program, I just, it was always praying for myself and, you know, the selfish prayers and all that. But yeah, but the way God is for me now, um, it's totally different. Like I, I don't even call him the same name, you know, the Jewish God, we them which means the name um it's just because we don't use god's name and all that but now you know i call him god and god only because you know god is different than hashem for me god is loving god is caring god understands um and god it's not that god will never do anything that's challenging for me but he's only doing He's only, you know, he's only calling me to the mat sometimes just because he wants, he wants me to come back to him to get to know him a little bit better. Um, and he's not, he's not out there to judge. He's not out there to judge me. He's out there to know me, to get to know me. And, and the best thing about it is, you know, I, the, the best thing about this whole, the thing that like I'm an addict, I'm addiction and all that is, is just basically what the, what, you know, kind of what the, what the Tao teaches that the, the greatest knowledge is to know that I don't know. And, yes. and that I don't have, and, and for me, like being inherently like kind of lazy, procrastinating and all that, like it's such a relief that like the whole surrender thing, the whole thing, and the whole, um, you know, knowing to know, I don't have to, you know, I just like my, my original sponsor, you know, just always told me, just work a program and let everything else work out and work it, you know, just work itself out. Like when I do that, everything seems to just fall into place. Like I don't have to overwork in my business and my company or whatever. Like things work out much better than when I'm working 12 hour days. You know, I could work a two hour day and things work much better. I can, um, I, I can, uh, whatever it is, money, uh, relationships, um, you know, stress, anxiety, family stuff, everything just works out so much better when I'm just mainly focusing on my program and then just, you know, everything just, it's just, it's, it's the best, it's the best. And, and, and hey. one more thing, buddy, quickly. Wait, wait. 
the, what your book, what your book gave me in in recovery, uh, you're powerless but not helpless, and I'm going to plug your book whether you like it or not, because um, what, what it gave me is that is a little bit of a a little bit of a challenge, a mental challenge, because well, one thing I find in recovery that's a little bit tough is that. A lot of the stuff is is very simple, which it obviously needs to be, and, and it's very helpful because you know I, I can't I can't do it if it's not simple. But I'm I, I sometimes I, I look for that challenge. I look for that you know my puzzle a little bit and something deep, something to get a little deep into, which I could get lost. My mind can can kind of just start thinking about and, and get lost in. And and with your book uh, with uh, on the Dow directly related to uh, you know alcoholism uh you know that really you know when at a time where i was so so uh just like dead in my recovery it gave me a spark and it gave me such a you know a new a newfound interest and a new uh, rejuvenation in my program. So I'm really, really grateful for Powerless But Not Helpless uh, Recovery Book by Buddy C that you can get on Amazon.com. Buddy C, that'll work. <laughs> Thank you, Izzy. I appreciate that. I, I, uh, I'll let other people plug me. I don't, I don't do it myself. So thank you. Um, uh, you know, this, what you were describing, I was thinking about riding a wave and that's what you're talking about is we just continually ride this wave of the moment. And the way we do that is by working the program, by practicing, by being of help. And if we just stay in the moment, the rest of it takes care of itself. Doesn't mean we don't plan and all those things, but we just stay where we're at, where our feet are as much as possible. And it just evolves and keeps going on and on and on. Uh, I want to ask you too, if somebody were to ask you what the Dow is, what would you, how would, what would be your response? The Dow would tell me, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the Dow, I'd say, I mean, the uh, Dow, I mean, officially means, right? It means the way. Yes. Um, but um, it's, uh, I just say, I would, I mean, I would, I guess I would use some more words to explain it. I mean, I'd say it's, it's you know, it's uh, allegedly Lapsu's way of, of um, you know, his philosophy on life. And, and, but it's, it's, you know, I think it's, I, I would, I would describe it as, as a way of living in surrender. Yeah. A way of living free of, of the burden of, of having to know the answers. Yeah. And living and if I really living a path of of uh compassion, right? Of virtue. Living living a path of compassion, virtue, and also just just yeah, yeah. Just living a path where just like, you know, where we tasted the vinegar and the powerful and like yeah. it's perfect exactly how it should be. Just it's pretty much yeah, living in the now and knowing that the now is good. Whatever the now is, it's good. Yeah. The Dow is the now. <laughs> it's another three-letter word for now, right? Exactly. Uh, hey, before we go, you, do you have a couple of verses that uh, you would like to share with everyone? Uh, so I have, I mean, I, I honestly, I, I, I read the Dow through your book. I don't really have, um, but I, 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 I love... I read today. Today, my verse was verse fifty-three. My one fear, which oh, yeah, where you, you know, yeah, and it just reminded me because you know, you know, we we had you know I had somebody in my fellowship recently that that had a slip, so it was you know that was uh, had a lot of, a lot of time, so that was you know definitely it, it was God just brought me to his reading. I feel you know and. Your and then what it says over here is if I had a fear, it would be strained from this way. You know, in this way, I'm interpreting as the program at this point. You know, just for for now, right? Yeah, yeah, the path, the path. You know, and in this in this case is the program, but this way is broadening and easy 
but I prefer to take side roads and shortcuts. I prefer to talk about spiritual axioms while I conceal anger or resentment. I like to sound spiritual in meetings and pretend I do not feel I am better than others. This behavior is far from the way and always leads me toward a drink. And yeah, if I'm not going to be consistent in going to my meetings or going to what I know and calling people, going to what I know helps me now and the fact that I know that I have a down now, I have a path. Um, that's, that's honestly the best thing for me right now is the fact that I know that I have a path towards serenity, peace, and happiness in, in program, in, in the Tao, in this kind of philosophy, in this kind of, you know, and I just have to take those, these actions and the feelings will follow. You know, even if I'm not happy right now or, or okay, all I need to do is, you know, reach inside, share it with somebody, get in the now, get in the present, and just stick with the Tao, stick with the philosophy. Yes. And everything will be fine. If a newcomer was listening to this podcast, never been to meetings, just dipping their toe into recovery, what would you what what would you suggest for them? I'd say in the beginning, I was afraid of coming into recovery because oh my god, now I'm an addict and I can never and it's it's a, it's it's fair because because I, I can never do drug again. In reality, I realize that all at once is I'm getting help right now to a problem that I always had before. And recover being an addict hurts, you know, just like just like if I was a normal person, I had to because if I was a normal person, I'd have to fight. I've I've had I I would have to fight everything, you know, and I have to do everything kind of on my own. Work where I have to be on my own merit, more or less. You know, yeah, you can bring God into it and everything, but over here, our alliance is one hundred percent on God. Everything is God, you know. The three is I give my life to God, you know, and my will and my life, which is everything. There's nothing else. Of six and seven, my character defects. It's just like you know, try to bring some willingness, but then seven is ultimately just asking God to remove it. So every if I'm if everything is God's problem, and I just have to you know work a little bit of a program. It's it makes life so much easier. So yeah, so to a newcomer, come in and and enjoy enjoy the and comfort instead of the first drink. Enjoy the ease and comfort of being in a fellowship where you're loved, you're accepted. Thank you, Izzy. That's a great way to close. So thank you so much, buddy. I appreciate it. I'm so happy that you reached out. We connected. Thank you for sharing your story, Izzy, and we will talk soon. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.